This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, yo, say hello once again to the Bad Guys Podcast. Mark Madden Unfiltered, that's right, Unfiltered. I keep getting the names confused here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. I'll be joined in a moment by my co-host Tom Opferman. But right now I want to talk about the lamest kind of sports talk debate ever. But listeners to my show on the X know that I'm certainly not above that. It's who should get the American League MVP. Uh, Shoei Otani from the LA Angels or Aaron Judge from the New York Yankees. I think it's a simple decision, but I know a lot of people who think it's a simple decision and would decide differently than me. The New York Yankees lead their division. They got the second best record in the American League. Aaron Judge leads the American League in home runs, RBIs, and runs scored. That's 50 home runs, 110 RBIs, 102 runs scored. He also leads the American League in slugging and in OPS. The LA Angels, meanwhile, are 56 and 73. That ranks them fourth. Fourth in the AL West, nowhere near a wild card. Otani's numbers are amazing. 29 home runs, 2.67 ERA pitching, 176 strikeouts in 128 innings pitched. And yes, I know no one's done that since Babe Ruth, and Otani is doing it even better. Hey, Otani is a unicorn. He's a phenomenon. But MVP includes the letters MV, most valuable. So I'm going Aaron Judge. He's having an incredible season, overwhelming offensively. He's on a better team, so he has sparked his team to get somewhere, and Otani has not. And Otani's Angels aren't as good as Judge's Yankees, to be sure, but they got Mike Trout. Still ain't going nowhere. It's not player of the year, it's MVP, most valuable. And my MVP for the American League is Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. Joining me now, my co-host for Mark Madden Unfiltered, uh, Tom Offerman. Tom, uh, what's your take? It is the worst kind of hackneyed, cliched sports talk debate. But, you know, it's killed some time here, so... So it's perfect. Yeah, Yeah, it's all well done, but where do you weigh in? I think you're spot on. I mean, I think Shohei Otani is the best player in baseball overall, but that's not the only factor when you're establishing an MVP. 
It's going to be Aaron Judge. BetRivers.com says it's going to be Aaron Judge. He's minus 1,000 as far as the odds are concerned for the future. Shohei is in second place at plus 600. So it's definitely a done deal as far as the bookies' eyes are concerned. And I think anybody who's really paying attention is concerned. It's between a guy who's in first place and a guy who's in last place. It should really be no debate. Well, but again, fourth place, please. Get it right. Oh, I'm so sorry. The Angels aren't... Well, they're, they're somewhat worse yeah, than they're the just Angels. In, yeah, they're they're in fourth place, not fifth. But but uh, if Otani had like you know as many home runs as Judge, or had like forty or forty five, a few less, then I could see it. But twenty nine home runs, it's impressive when you combine it with the pitching. It's not that impressive when you just look at it as a standalone. I'm not diminishing Otani. I'm trying to argue who's more valuable between the two. And to me, yeah, I got to go with. With with Aaron Judge, uh, but but again, you mentioned the uh, Bet Rivers odds. Yeah, we talked about this several times on these podcasts, Tom. It's always interesting to debate or bet on something that's voted on by flawed human beings. And you know, there's X amount of dinks that vote for this award. Going to go? Are, are you crazy? Otani is just this phenomenon. He's a unicorn. Babe Ruth, nobody's been like that. Blah blah blah. And if enough of those guys vote Otani's way, he could get it. I mean, uh, to be honest, when you, when, you, when you look at those those bets, that money, the, the line on the MVP, Otani's much better value. Oh, for sure. I would put money on Otani just for that factor, the human factor in the votes. I call it the dink factor. But that's why you gave him the MVP last year, right? He got his MVP award. You've established that he's one of the best players in baseball. He's not going anywhere either. Maybe he's on a good team next year and he can get the MVP then. you yeah. got to give it to Judge. 50 home runs is insane, especially in this new era. And he, and he might get to 60 and break the American League record. Which would be just incredible. Hit as more home runs than Roger Maris would be insane. A but Yankee to do that too? It, it also reflects the way baseball's played now, isn't it? Yes. Doesn't it? I mean, yeah. the launch angle, the total emphasis all about on home power. Runs. Yeah. But he's he hits like 290 too, so no, he's no, a solid No, no, no. He's a real good player. Yeah. A real good all-around player. Like I said, home run, RBIs, run, slugging, OPS. Yeah. I mean, how could you be more valuable? Especially when your team's in first place and has run away with first place pretty much since May. So they're a lock to make the playoffs. Well, they, they've had that big slump recently, but I think they just got bored. <laughs> Wouldn't you, too? You're up yeah. like by, what is it? It was like 20 games at one point in your yeah. division. You know you're not going to get caught. Yeah, so I I would give it to Aaron Judge, although I would bet on Shohei Otani. Well, you can't bet on Judge. That's but, just a money pit. Well, right, but but like if if you bet on Otani, you'd be surprised if you won. <laughs> right. Like sometimes you make that bet. Okay, this probably ain't going to happen, but the but the the plus is two plus. Right. Exactly. You have to take it. So, um, well, uh, we got a, a ton to talk about. Um, we we got the Steelers made some cuts. They're being made as we speak. But I think the big story is the acquisition of Malik Reed. Yes. Uh, from the Denver Broncos, an edge rusher. And that leads to a lot of questions. Here's question number one How bad is Highsmith hurt? He's, you know, been out of action in camp in the preseason for quite some time. That acquisition, and admittedly, you're only giving up, what, a late round pick. They haven't yet specified. But uh, that makes it, you know, a flyer worth taking. But I can't help but wonder if Malik Reed is going to start opposite T.J. Watt at edge rusher week one uh, when the Steelers visit Cincinnati. I can't help but wonder that Malik Reed might not just become the starter opposite of T.J. Watt. He's got 34 starts and he has 15 sacks. 
That's just as good as Alex Highsmith so far, pretty much, in the NFL. I think it's a pretty even race between those two. And Highsmith's really injured, like you said, so he doesn't even have a say in the race right now. If Malik Reed comes in and has a sack right off the bat against Cincinnati, he's starting off way in front of what Alex Highsmith is. Listen, you don't have to talk me into thinking that, just like nobody had to talk me into thinking that Melvin Ingram should have been the starter last year over Highsmith. Uh, but but he got... Um, to suck at Hine, you know what, in in the rotation edge rusher. And before you know what he asked that, and since none of the Steelers can ever be made to know an unpleasant moment, he got his wish. And, you know, had they had they started Ingram ahead of Highsmith, which is what I think they should have done based on caliber of player, just who's better, then Ingram might still be here. Yes. And then you have a much deeper and better uh, edge rusher position. Uh, but they like to show faith in their draft picks. They drafted Highsmith, so that's why I'm assuming that even if he uh, misses a week or two and Reed does well, that Highsmith will be the starter when he's healthy. They also think it's probably sexy if they do hit on Highsmith. You know, we got this guy out of Charlotte, such a random school. Look at us. We're so great. We pick him in the second round. No one else was really having him on his ra- on our, their radar that early. No question. We swoop in and grab him. Look at this diamond in the rough that we found. So that's definitely factoring in and factored in last year as well. Their depth is better if he's healthy and can play. They have at least three legit outside linebackers that are starter, or not starter caliber, but NFL caliber. Well, Highsmith is like borderline starter caliber. Right. I, I, they, they like him a lot better than I do. Right, I'm at NFL caliber. Like, at least these three the, the, dudes belong on the field. The first thing I thought of when I got Malik Reed, the first thing, when I, I heard it on the radio coming to, to, to the studio here, I said, well, he's better than Highsmith. Right away. And my knowledge of Malik Reed is limited, but I know enough to know he's better than Highsmith. Yeah, I think he is too. So Highsmith gets hurt and he can't get on the field for the first couple weeks of the season and he shows up. And by the way, it's pretty easy to show up when TJ Watts your opposite running mate as long as he stays healthy and can play. But we should never forget what well, well right, you said it. TJ Watt what what's your and, and, and Bet Rivers unfortunately will not post this line. What's your over under on games TJ Watt plays this year? Probably like 14 and a half, 15. I, I got 13. Wow. I think yours is probably more reasonable. And one thing, you know, I didn't realize this. You know, in his five seasons, TJ Watts only missed four games total. Two it, last year, though. So half he, he of missed two last year, year and, he, and he missed significant he parts of three halves, others. Yep. And they were, the Steelers were 0 4 and 1 in those five games that he did not play or or did not play significant parts of. So, but, but, and, we, and don't forget, too, that TJ Watt has to rest. You know, he's always like, I think the most ridiculous thing about TJ Watt is, regardless of the score of the game, you know, how close it is or isn't, he takes a series down in the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's every single game, but I think it's just about every single game because he feels he plays better if he gets rested. I mean, you know, I, I feel he would play better if it helped the team win more. You, you know, like people talk about all his sacks last year and he did set the record, but, you know, when, when you hear that, that, they were 0-4-1 in games he missed or missed significant parts of. People think that you know makes him look better. I think it's an indictment of him yeah. that he missed that much time despite the need for him. You don't pay these guys to set records and to win awards. You pay them to impact winning. And I think T.J. Watt does that, but maybe not as much as he should. Maybe not as much as he should have last year, especially given what he did. If you need the rest, too, give that to him in the first half, right? Give it to him on downs in the first half. Just get out there and play, play your freaking candy ass. Just play, period. My God. Play in the fourth quarter, especially. Every single snap in the fourth quarter. When you're closing out games, there's no excuse for you to have to come off the field whatsoever. You're too impactful. There's... 
if you take off one play in the first, fourth quarter, that's the play that Joe Burrow has a clean pocket and hits Jamar Chase and the, the game's tied. You can't afford it. Well, to be fair, I think that might happen even with TJ. In the Watt. first quarter and the second and the third the and lineup, the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, we'll, we'll talk more about that game next week. That's some receiving coordinate. Uh, the Bengals, yeah. Let me, let me ask you this. Uh, if T. Higgins was on the Steelers. Number one receiver. Number one receiver? Yes. Okay, if Tyler Boyd was on the Steelers. It'd be more of a debate, but he'd definitely be right there with Deontay. Right, right. Right there with Deontay. Like, like if you had Tyler Boyd, Deontay, and the way uh, Pickens looks, it would be like co-number one. That's a real good receiving core right there. But T. Higgins, far and away, would be the number one receiver on this team. No question. He's better than Deontay. Now, um... What, what did you make? Again, we don't have all the cuts as we tape this, but we have some. Uh, they kept Casey, uh, DeMonte Casey, the safety, despite having had, uh, what was it, wrist surgery? Wrist surgery. Which means they think he's going to be back. He's going to be able to come back, that's, yeah. That's big. He's pretty good. And he enables all that funky dime variation stuff they like to do because their inside backers stink. Yes. He enables that better. He enables that, but your schedule's a bear at the front end, and he's going to miss the front end, so you can't do that funky stuff unless you do it with, like, Trey Norwood, who's they, not as good as KZ. They might try it. They might feel That's they have to. That's how bad to. the inside linebackers yep. are, right? So we'll see how that plays out. John LeGlue was kind of surprising. They cut him earlier today. Yeah, well, it's especially surprising when you how think, bad they are on offensive well, line. And he's, I, he started last year. A I would games. he started five games. Right. I would be thinking, you know, we might need this guy to start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like my God. But you know, I, I mean, you know what this could have been? It could have been one of those deals where they want to be fair to him and go someplace. Well, no, I that can't be. I mean, that offensive line is so bad. Be the last fair thing, to him and start him here. Then they should be thinking about his fair. That's right. That's right. Um, now they uh, also cut. Um, Mondo on the uh, on the defensive line. I think he's a pretty good player. I'm not outraged, though. I see him as being caught up in a numbers game. Yeah, exactly. Depth just caught up with him. The only reason he was on the team the past couple of years is because they were so weak depth-wise. Now they have actual depth on the D-line. They're like seven deep with guys that are better than him. There's just no reason to keep him or the two Davis guys that they cut to on the defensive line. Uh, they're twins, right? I think so. You know what I would have done? I would have kept one and then switched them out from week to week. <laughs> played, like practice them both and then decide They're which Davis fresh. played better. They're always yeah. fresh, yeah. <laughs> I, had, I had two friends of mine growing up. They were twin, uh, uh, twin real good hockey players. And if and if one got suspended, uh, but the one who could play couldn't make the next game, the one who got suspended <laughs> would just wear his jersey. Never got caught. Uh, one guy I think they should cut. They're not going to, so don't be surprised when you hear this when they do make their final cuts and he's still on the roster. But there's no need for Derek Watt on the team. Connor Hayward does everything he does cheaper. Well, and, and if you're going to keep Derek Watt, there's no need for Connor Hayward. But but as I said, but I would rather keep Connor Hayward right now. I'd rather for the they cheap not, aspect. I'd rather they not drafted or picked up either guy that they feel obligated to keep in perpetuity because of who his brother is. Are you telling me T.J. Watt wouldn't get the red ass in a huge way if they cut his brother? He would, but at this point, you kind of have him in checkmate, right? Like, what are you going to do? We got you long-term. You're going to sit out games and miss this big contract? Let me tell you what my attitude would be. If I'm Tomlin, and Tomlin who avoids, you know, anything that causes commotion except for Antonio Brown (laughs) at at all costs, right? If I'm Tomlin, I'm thinking, you know what? I just don't need the headache of T.J. Watt being pissed off and talking about it. So we'll keep his brother. What's the difference if it's, you know, the only thing about Derek Watt is if he made a lot less... Yeah, that's my real point, is Connor Hayward's so cheap. Like, he's on a rookie deal and of, what, fifth, sixth-round pick capacity. That's such an easy money move. Now, if you had to take a shot at how many games the Steelers will win, predict right now. 
Seven. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Seven, seven and, and ten. ten. Sounds you, right. You know what's great though? The usual suspects, be it on Twitter or on other radio stations, they keep saying, "Well, we need to make a deal to win now." Ain't no deal to win now. What's out there that's going to do that? Well, okay. Let's say you could trade for. I don't know who's who's the best offensive lineman in football. Trent Williams. Okay, they'd still have a bad offensive line. Right, they just have a really good left tackle. <laughs> right, exactly. And and the other team would just line everybody else up <laughs> on the other side, up the right side of the yeah. scrimmage. Yes. Uh, so you know, I don't think there's deals to be made, and certainly no. not certainly not guys to be picked up from other teams' cuts. No, you don't want to go dumpster diving. Well, they're gonna. They have to. They I are guess. as we speak. Laglu being cut probably signals that they're gonna get somebody's. Sloppy seconds on the offensive line. Well, I like that terminology. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. We'll talk at length next week about that first game against the Bengals. The only thing I will say is I think the Bengals are going to have a bit of a Super Bowl hangover. And Burrow, you know, got to work late because of his appendectomy. And even though that offensive line is going to be markedly better, I mean, they switched up practically the whole unit, I still think there's going to be some time needed for them to acclimate and, 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 and play together. So I think that first game, I'm not saying the Bengals are vulnerable. I'm betting it's closer than we think. Do we have a line on that yet? I think we have a line on it. I can get that for you. But you're right about that offensive line. Everybody keeps telling us about the Steelers offensive line. Hey, this takes a lot of time. You gotta you gotta be patient when offensive line well, play that, comes. If to it play. applies to Steelers, that applies, it also to, the applies Bengals, to the Bengals. Yeah, yeah, but more so because there's actual talent and actual pedigree on the offensive line with the Bengals. It's Bengals minus six and a half right now at BetRivers.com. It, it is incredible. That the Bengals got to the Super Bowl despite Burrow being sacked, what was it, 30 sometimes? Oh. And running for his life the whole season. He got sacked like, I think it was nine times against the Titans. It was something like the most a quarterback's ever been sacked and win a playoff game. If, if I got sacked nine times. <laughs> after, and I had to move on and play again. <laughs> after about after about five sacks, I'd like wave for the bullpen. I'd go, you, nah, 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 you're just, you know, are you even trying? Can you block somebody? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so six and a half. Six and a half. Bengals giving six and a half right now. You know, now. that that shows that, that Bet Rivers' great minds thinking alike. They're kind of thinking like I am because six and a half's a lower spread than I thought. They're probably ten points better than the Steelers if, you know, they were up and running at full strength, but they're not, like you said, and it's the first game of the year, so it's you gotta warm up a little bit. I don't think Burrow played a snap in the preseason either. So that his first pass is gonna be his He'll first pass. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I'm not too worried about him. You, you know, one thing and we'll talk more about this on the gambling pod, podcast, Tom. One thing is, as an occasional gambler, you you gamble uh, you gamble on a lot of games. That, Low wages, but I spread it around. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I bet like on a big money on on the occasional game, and I think there's a lot to be said for the game you stay away from. I think that is something you need to figure out and just just religiously. Like I got to be honest. Like we'll talk about this on the gambling podcast. I'm betting on Premier League games, and I'm betting two games um, for every match day. Although that may, there's games in the middle of the week. I'm not sure I can get to the casino. Uh, well, I can get online. You get online. And do it. You get on yeah. computer in the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, I'm betting fifty a, a bet. Right. And I'm like, there's some games I don't like, but because I'm betting fifty, and I want to get you know games you know bet on to talk about. I'm doing You're it. You're gonna take it. Although I, I I might not do. I'm I might to my own self be true and make fewer bets. And maybe even I might make um, one bet per match. Then go with a hundred. Yeah, you should do that strategy. If you don't like two, then just double up on the first game that you really like. Because you're so right about the bet, you should stay away from you. And when you do this long enough, like when you 
actually try to actively gamble through sports, you can start to smell those lines. Like you can start to see a line that just makes your head go, what the heck? That makes no sense. And I just better steer clear because they know something I have no idea about. All right. Well, let's go to our, uh, our, our feature on both podcasts, five guys. You have uh, another interesting topic and keep in mind that I fly blind on these. Yes. Tom gives me the topic, but I don't know who he's going to bring up. So the possibility exists that I may not know some of these guys at all, and I'll make for boring podcasting. But You know every single one of these but, guys, But I not promise. for the first time ever. What is today's topic? Today's topic of five guys is five guys that drugs just can't seem to kill. These I, are real-life people, too. I, I bet I could guess a few of them, and I bet I've met at least one of them. But go ahead. Oh, I bet you've met at least one of them, too. Number one on my list, Keith Richards. Yeah, no, no question, Has Keith. to be, right? Never That's met Keith, but, but yeah, I mean, like, like although... I, I gotta say, I think they're finally taking their toll. Like, uh, oh, that's uh, we should actually add at the end of this list: drugs can't kill yet because no, no, it's I, coming. No, I think Keith will die in his sleep of something rather pedestrian. <laughs> uh, but uh, like now, when you see the Stones, it used to be that him and Ronnie Wood really divvied up the guitar duties pretty equally. Now Keith plays two solos a concert and mm. does mostly rhythm. Although I don't. Trace that back to drugs. Remember when he was climbing the tree in the Caribbean and he fell off? <laughs> no, took, I don't, but that yeah, sounds hilarious. Yeah, he, took, he took a knock on the head. Oh. Yeah, that uh, he's not been quite the same in terms of playing. Then again, maybe he's just aged out. I mean, he's still a great rhythm player, knows how to put those flourishes. But Ronnie Wood, aside from Jagger, who never ages, Ronnie Wood's <laughs> the Stones' MVP right now. No question about that. I've seen them enough times in the past uh, two, three years. Well, I saw them in Pittsburgh. I saw them much longer ago than two or three years, and I saw them indoors in Vegas when they warmed up for what's that goofy show? I always forget the name of it in California, the big festival. Oh, um, Coachella. Yes. Yeah, they were warming up for Coachella, so I saw them indoors, and uh, nice. th- that's the place to see anybody. But, uh, but yeah, and, and Keith, like if if you read like his books about him and and Bobby Keys, the late Stone sax player, like the drug stories about him are just unbelievable. <laughs> we're like we're like we're like this is a sad story, but Graham Parsons, uh, who was a um, kind of like Eagle style rocker before the Eagles from Southern California, he was with like the Flying Burrito Brothers, and I want to say he was with the Birds. At some point. Okay. okay, like Graham Parsons and Keith Richards became like close friends, and it killed Graham Parsons. He couldn't keep up. He just, it literally killed him. He could not keep up, but he tried. Oh, I'm sure he definitely tried. It's good for Keith to still be able to get out there for two solos, though, at his stage. Well, no, he's it's out impressive. There, he's out there the whole concert. Right, right, but I mean, really take the center stage for Yeah, but that, two. like, Sympathy for the Devil, I mean, you could play that. <laughs> That's solo. Okay, who else you got? Keep it, Keith's number one. I mean, Keith's the king, Because yeah. he's done it all. Yes. He's done, like, you know, every single drug. It's like, it's just incredible. Now, one guy I want to mention, I want to give, no, not that he's a big drug guy, but uh, one of my favorite interviews, one of my first interviews ever with uh, my now friend David Coverdale. And this is when, you know, this is like 1984. Yeah. We were just riffing on different philosophical things. He goes, so I go to him, David, what about drugs? He goes, well, I don't know. What do you got? <laughs> Number two? Yep. Charlie Sheen. Yeah, and he's in relatively, I mean, he he's HIV he positive. Wanted, and, yes. And he's, he's, uh, he's in relatively decent health, I think. Thank God that we've learned how to manage that. I think so. He's in decent health right now, but man, was he a druggie. Back in the day, especially when he was famous. Well, he was addicted to everything. Well, And then that crazy interview came out where he was saying he was drinking like tiger's blood and stuff like that. He, I believe that. Yeah, he might have tried some tiger's blood. Now, uh, now uh, again, uh, what is it? how many degrees of Kevin Bacon? Six. Six, always, I think. Okay, like like my vague connection. Like I, I'm, I'm friends with Brie Olsen, the porn girl who is one of his goddesses. 
Oh, wow. Okay, and, and Bree's been in the trenches, you know. Okay. I'm sure. Okay, and um, and she was on the show after she broke up with Charlie Sheen, and she was saying stuff. Man, he like freaked me out. It's <laughs> like I mean, it's Brie Olson. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the the dynamic with with Graham Parsons and Keith Richards. He's like, I didn't know what to do sometimes. <laughs> All right, I know this number three guy's going to hit close to home for you, Steven Tyler. Oh yeah, he screwed up my he screwed up your trip. my two vacations. Yeah, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, if you read the Aerosmith biography, "Walk This Way," okay, you could go back and arrest Tyler for any number of things. You know, it <laughs> may or may not be you know past the statute of limitations. Like, like he was living with a fourteen or fifteen year old girl at one point. He got her parents to agree to make her. Uh, him, her guardian, so she could travel on a row with them. You know that that's a oh long, my yeah that's a long time that's ago. Wild. Well, to be fair, I mean, and again, I I don't condone, don't defend every disclaimer you want here. Tom put in that wasn't uncommon then, especially with the glitterati. Like Jimmy Page had Lori Maddox, who was his fourteen-year-old girlfriend. You know, and um, you know it. It's just it, unfortunate, but it was the way it was. Yeah, yeah, David Bowie. You know, did that deal oh. with I, I forget her name. David you know. Bowie could have probably been on this list too. Yeah. Oh no, died. not not in a class with these guys. Tyler, like you should read his book, The Drug Stuff. And like don't and don't forget one thing about Steven Tyler, and this ties into my uh, my late friend, unfortunately, Pete Way from UFO. Okay. Pete and, and Steven Tyler, I mean Steven Tyler just got out of rehab. They're doing hard drugs into their 60s and 70s. Right. And it doesn't appear, I mean, Pete, it took, again, like Keith Richards falling out the tree, Pete was in a car wreck, and and some of the complications from that were what wound up killing him. But drugs, I believe these guys, and I'm no doctor or pharmacist, uh, but but these guys seem to just build up some kind of, not immunity. It's a tolerance. Tolerance, yeah. Yeah. So then you have to just keep doing more to actually feel the high. But like you read stories about Tyler like doing bumps off the amplifiers in between songs with Aerosmith. And I'll tell you what, Joe Perry ain't far behind. Number four, Johnny Depp. I I I I approve his inclusion on the list. That's good. You'll definitely approve number five, Artie Lang. I mean, there's physical evidence that dude's nose caved in based yeah, have on you all seen the drugs his nose since then? It's terrible. Yeah, I mean have you ever heard the story about him on Mad TV and he was in the pig costume? No. And he had a pig nose and he was so fixing to get high. He was like, I need some Coke. I need some Coke. So he just left the set, unbeknownst to the director, everybody on the cast, just left the set in a full pig nose prosthetic because of the character he was playing. It took him <laughs> took them hours to put this thing on his nose. So he gets Coke from his guy. He meets him somewhere. Of and he course gets the he coast. does. He can't get it to his nose because of the pig prosthetic. So this thing that makeup worked on for like five hours, he takes like a, a piece of his key from his car and just pokes a hole right in the middle of it. So he can snort the coat the right pig through nose. the pig nose. Yep. And then he went back and everybody was pissed at him and he had to sit in makeup again and get the pig nose fixed. But then every time he kept wanting to do coke, so he'd poke another hole in it and they had to keep fixing it. Well, now see if that was a makeup department of any repute, they would know how to put it on his nose with the hole. Right, you got to give in to the drugs at that point. Yeah, He's not going to stop doing coke. That's pretty yeah, clear. If, I, if I'm the if I'm the makeup director, I'm like, okay, the drugs have won this round. What can we do to facilitate this? So, you know, a lot of people when Howard Stern did Starty Lang, um, you know, really came down hard on Howard, and and I think there's any number of reasons to come down hard on Howard. Uh, let alone, you know, mostly that he's become what he hated, has totally yes. become what he hated the 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 Hollywood sniffing, you know, uh, sellout. You know, quasi celebrity who 
like I said, he, you know, he, if, if Howard Stern from 30 years ago talked about Howard Stern now on the radio, he would rip him to shreds. But as far as him ditching Artie Lang, I don't blame him. You can only go so far with the druggie. At some point, you have to just kind of kind of step aside. Now, one guy I'd like to add to the list. Yes, please. Sixth um, guy. Is it because this is a uh, this is this is relevant because of something he just said is Ozzy Osbourne. Okay. Okay. Uh, he he uh, licked up his own pee. He peed on the sidewalk and licked up his own pee, and then Nikki Six peed. I, I think I have this story right. Nikki Six peed and went to lick it up, and Ozzy Osbourne also licked up his pee. At which point, Nikki Six said, "You win." Yeah, right. That's tapping out because I'm not licking your pee, Ozzy. Yeah, I'm not going to go try that to lick level. my pee. But uh, you know, he recently said. He was moving back to his native England because he didn't want to die in America because things were too crazy. They're too crazy for Ozzy. That's like Pete Way, the aforementioned, was in his band briefly uh, in between UFOs, and he fired Pete because Pete was too crazy. Uh, Sharon Osbourne felt that Pete was a bad influence on Ozzy. And you know what? I've met them both, and I agree. I mean, dear Jesus. Should we wrap this thing up, or should we talk about O'Neill Cruz breaking the sound barrier again last night in a Pirates loss? Yeah, he did it like three times. He went over 110 miles per hour three times. He did times, it three correct? times. Two were outs, though. Really hard hit outs. Well, did you see the—and uh, one was a home run, one right? One was a home run, but then they lost. Did you see Tom Haas, the Atlanta Blazers relief pitcher? No. He uh, he he tweeted, retweeted uh, an MLB graphic about going over 110 miles per hour three times, and he went on a big rant saying, basically, this means absolutely nothing. It means nothing. And he's right. It does mean absolutely nothing. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that more. And another, I want to go into this real quick. You know who finally might get some respect late in his career? NHL Network. Every every year they rate the best at each position you know, yeah. numerically. They rank Chris Letang sixth among defensemen. That's good to hear. Well, here's who here's who's above him, and there's only one guy above him that I would put Tanger over for right, sure. Right. Maybe two. Okay, I can't rank Tanger ahead of McCarr, Hedman, or Yossi. Right, big three. Okay, they're the big three. Um, I think Tanger's like neck and neck with Adam Fox from the Rangers, who is overrated slightly because he's in New York. Right. Okay, and then Charlie McAvoy from the Bruins who I just don't see in Latang's class. Adam Fox won a Norris. If Chris Latang played his entire career in New York and played as good as he did in Pittsburgh, he's got a Norris. Maybe two, right? Well, yeah, and, and McAvoy's the kind of guy... See, this is where you give Yossi credit. Yossi's in Nashville, and he's over. You know, people that's know how That's real is. tough to do. That's tough. Like, like, I mean, McCarr and Hedman are so good, it wouldn't matter where they are. Right. But Yossi's so good, he's in Nashville. Like, if McAvoy played, like, for, for Carolina... Nobody would know who he was. There's a lot of guys like that who benefit from being in original six cities or, right. in, or in big markets or big hockey markets like, you know, Montreal. You know, but, it, but if, if McAvoy if McAvoy and Tanger switched uh, cities, a lot more people would know who Tanger is, a lot less would know who McAvoy is. I think Latang's better than Fox and McAvoy. I'd say that. I'd say Dead Heat with Fox. Dead Heat with Fox. Better than McAvoy. Wasn't there a character in a movie named McAvoy? Tin Cup! Was it Roy McAvoy? Was he Roy That's McAvoy? That's right. He was Roy McAvoy. Right. Wow. Great call. 
Yeah, you know what? And he kept you know going for it instead of just laying up and winning the U.S. Open. That movie's great till the end. They ruined the ending. The, well, it goes. I, I understand him blowing it was part of the character. <sighs> but anybody in their right mind would win the U.S. Open there, right? Oh, like, no, you no, know what they did? They did the disclaimer at the end too, where he's still eligible for all the tournaments because he finished in the top. Whatever. Yeah, right. So he's on the okay, tour, kind of. It should have ended. If it was going to end, it should have ended in flames. You know, like the way to end it is he's disqualified for running out of balls. And including the tournaments the next time. So yes. like, he so doesn't get his finish. There's no good out of it. Yeah, he, he totally get... imploded. Yeah. Rene Russo says, you know what? I'm going back to Don Johnson. Oh, that would have been the perfect cherry on top. What a great heel Don Johnson was, was though. The best. That was tremendous. Especially Look. when he just chips the ball down the road and bounces it and wins the car off him. Damn thing still bouncing. That's Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. Thank you for listening to Mark Madden Unfiltered here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.